Well, let's get to it here today. Matthew chapter number seven, if you take your Bibles and turn there. In fact, let's turn to Matthew chapter five, if you would find your place. Matthew chapter number five, and then we'll turn to our text in chapter number seven. This will help us to get started here this morning. Looking forward to both messages, both opportunities to try to get across what is here. We've been in a series in the book of Matthew and just continuing that here, even on this special day, because I, I believe it certainly does fit uh, the context of the day as we have it, uh, welcome Heartland Sunday. And then tonight even we'll be in 1 Samuel chapter 5. And I'm real excited about that message. Hope you'll be back uh, tonight. And, um, and as we study an, an interesting passage of scripture, and I'm calling it uh, the victory of the defeated God. Okay, the victory of the defeated God. Uh, the Philistines added the Ark of the Covenant to their trophy room but it didn't work out so swell for them, to say the least. So you, please come back tonight. Um, looking forward to that. All right, Matthew chapter 5, and we'll begin in uh, verse 1 and try to do so to set the context here a little bit. Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 1 says, And seeing the multitudes, and that even goes back into chapter 4 and how he'd been interacting with the multitudes, healing them, preaching to them. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, it says his disciples came unto him. Everybody see that? His disciples, those who would be his followers, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught who? He taught them. Now, it's not like Jesus didn't address the whole multitude. He did, and he would. He would preach to them. But here in this context, to be true to the text, it's very clear that he's teaching his disciples in sight of the multitudes in order to help them to be able to reach the multitudes. So that's what we're looking at. And he taught them saying, <clears throat> and he begins with what we know as the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then he begins the rest of the verses there. And so I don't remember exactly what date it was we started that journey. And I wasn't exactly sure how long because Brother Davison had preached this passage many years ago. And then we had taught it a couple times in Sunday school. But you can't move real fast through chapter 5, 6, and 7. And so we've just tried to follow the Lord's leadership there. And uh, so now um, we're at chapter number 7. So let's turn over there if you would. Chapter 7. We'll reference more of this as we get into it, but the first part of chapter 7 we covered last Sunday morning, judge not that you be not judged. And that, uh, well, that was, that was a fun passage to preach for sure. But then I, I want to just go ahead and just direct your attention here. And it's going to seem like this just totally changes gears or totally changes topics. And in, on one hand it does, but it's in a context, but like many of these verses, in fact, like judge not that you be not judged, that one is chief among verses for being taken out of context. Well, this verse also, and these verses oftentimes are certainly taken out of context, but we're going to do our due diligence today to try to keep them in their context. When we read verse 7, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, 
And he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you? Whom? If his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? <laughs> Obvious answer. <laughs> no, no. He's not going to do that. If he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? <laughs> Watch out for the fanged in. I mean, is that, is that what's going to happen? <laughs> is he going to give him a serpent? If ye then, notice Jesus' words here in verse number 11. If ye then, being evil. Now that'll preach right there. And he just kind of slid that right in there. Did you see that? I mean, he didn't even elaborate on it. He mentioned it and kept moving. If ye then, being evil. Know how to give good gifts unto your children. How much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask Him? Amen. We're going to go ahead and cover verse, verse 12, although we've got plenty to cover right there in those verses. But this connects as well. Therefore, you see it? It hinges. Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. Amen. What you want people to do to you, then do that to them. For this, Jesus says, this is the law and the prophets. I mean, he's saying this. It's like we've come to the pinnacle. We've come to the summit of Mount Everest. Okay, we've come to the summit of the Sermon on the Mount. He says this, if I could sum it up right here, everything is, is defined right here. The law and the prophets, it's all right there. What you want people to do to you, you do that to them. All right. So our series is entitled Jesus is King. And here's today's message. This is sermon number 24. And the title is this. He has what you need to be his disciple. He has what you need to be his disciple. I, uh, I'm not going to apologize today from, uh, for repeating that phrase quite a few times. Because I'm hoping and praying that that, that that truth, he has what you need to be his disciple. I hope that gets etched in the hearts and minds of everyone here today. That he has what you need to be his disciple. Amen. He does. Have I mentioned that he has what you need to be his disciple? He does. He has what you need to be his disciples. May you be seated as we get into God's word here this morning. Kids ask a lot. True. Hey, dad. Hey, mom. Hey, Pops. It's <laughs> Brother Ted's granddad name. Uh, hey, can I have, right? Could I have this? Could I have that? Could I have these shoes? <laughs> Could I have this car? Can I have your truck? <laughs> right. 
especially around the start of school, okay? So, I mean, you, this is the, tis the season, right? And kids here in Oklahoma City area, maybe your kids, maybe your grandkids, you know, they've started back to school this week or they're getting ready to. And uh, young people that have grown up here get ready to go to different parts of the country to go to school. Obviously, as is today, many have left many different parts of the country to come here uh, for the start of college, for the start of school. And, and so there's needs that obviously come when, when you're going to be a student. From the youngest child that started uh, K-4 or kindergarten, man, what a great, what a blast. We didn't even know how fun kindergarten was. Remember when you used to get to take a nap? And you didn't want to, but now you long for the day that you could take a nap, right? And, and you do still at your desk, but you're not supposed to, see? So, but then you had like a little mat, and, and you could lay down, and, and uh, man, you could, you could go to sleep. I'm just reminiscing. Those were the good old days. And, but you, you, had, you needed crayons, and you needed markers, you needed a backpack, you needed a cool backpack, right? I mean, you needed not just any backpack. It had to be one that you really liked, and, and a lunchbox. Remember the old tin lunchboxes? I mean, not, I'm dating myself here a little bit, but having your, you know, whatever... <laughs> It is on it, you know, and, and so, but you, you needed all that. But then, you know, the shoes and, and so, you know, the, the boys as we're getting ready for school and then it's not just, uh, it's not just something to go on your feet, you know, but it's a certain style, it's a certain brand and, and uh, you begin to feel older as time goes along from the standpoint of a dad, you know what I mean? And, and, uh, but then again, some shoes kind of start cycling back around and suddenly, suddenly you're cool again. If you just wait about 20 years, it'll come back in style, right? So anyways, you need school shoes. And, and, and so, you know, we, it's a joy. Honestly, I, I, really, I really want to convey that. It's not a burden. It's actually a joy to be able to supply those things and, and uh, what they need, not always what they want, right? Not always what they want, but what they need. Shoes and clothes and a car and... and um, some of you that have come here for Heartland Baptist Bible College, you're just glad your car made it here. You had to pray it the rest of the way in, right? And praying that it keeps running, you know, and maybe you needed a car and you're saying, you know, I think I'd do really well in school if I had a 2021 Corvette, you know, something like that. I mean, that would just really help my studies. <laughs> no, it wouldn't at all. I guarantee it, it wouldn't. Yeah. As a parent, it is actually enjoyable to provide what your kids need. I, I, um, I just preached up in Sioux City, Iowa, Buchanan Avenue Baptist Church, some uh, people here from there. And, and um, there's a lady in the church that gave both the boys a backpack. And I mean, it was just, it was, it was packed out with whatever they'd need. You know, it, it was just awesome that, you know, somebody was so thoughtful to do that. Uh, it's a wonderful thing to supply what your child needs for their journey in life, whatever their age is. Heard about the young person at college that wrote back to his dad. Some of you have heard this before, but let me just, uh, just humor me here just a minute. But he wrote back home and he said, no mun, no fun, your son. <laughs> Out of money already. The answer came back in letter form and it said this, too bad, I'm sad, your dad. You know, so... <laughs> <laughs> The Lord Jesus enrolled 12. He enrolled 12 in his Bible college. His three-year, extensive, intensive, demanding, high-level learning, 
great demands in their life. He enrolled 12 in his school and began to supply what they would need regarding what it meant to be his disciple. Now, I want to be clear, he didn't supply all that they asked for, and he didn't supply everything that their parents asked for. One day he had a mom that came and said, hey, Jesus, could you maybe let my son sit one on your right hand and the other on your left hand? And Jesus didn't grant their request. Denied. <laughs> so this, these verses here are not saying, hey, it's a blank check, brother. It's a blank check, sister. You just ask whatever you want and God will give it to you. Name it. Claim it. <laughs> I'm telling you, you won't find it there. You won't find it there. You won't find it here. You won't find it anywhere beyond that. It's not a name it, claim it type of, of following of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's, he's not come to deck us out in the top high dollar suits across the land and driving whatever we want to drive. No, I, can you imagine how much stuff we'd have if he had granted to us everything that we'd asked for? We'd be a mess. I'm glad today that he doesn't give us everything we ask for. Be confusing. He is not promising here to give you anything just that you want, but he is promising here to give you. Are you listening to me here this morning? I'm telling you on the authority of the word of God for everybody here. By the way, please don't feel left out if you're not in Bible college here today. Even though this is Welcome Heartland Sunday, this message is to his disciples or to anybody that would be his disciples. And I'm so glad you do not have to be on the roll of a Bible college to be enrolled in his school of discipleship. In fact, I'll just go ahead and say it this way. You could be on the roll of a Bible college and still not be his disciple. So for anybody that wants to be his disciple, anybody here that is saved, anybody here that wants to follow him, I'm telling you on the authority of the word of God today that he will give you exactly what you need to be his disciple. All you got to do is just ask. All you got to do is just seek. All you got to do is just knock and it'll be open to you. Whatever you need to be his disciple, he'll give it to you. Now you listen to that and you think, for real? See, our carnal mind quickly goes to cha-ching. Right. But, but that's not what he's saying. It's qualified here. It's in a context. Okay, so what is the context? Well, that's the reason we went back to chapter five. Chapter five is saying he brought his disciples together. He brought them together to teach them how to reach the multitudes. And so he begins a, a training course with them to help them understand this, that your relationship with God is the foundation for you being my disciple. Amen. Which means this, you've got to be saved. I want to say to everybody here today, you need to know the Lord Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. It's not enough that your grandparents were, was a preacher or, or, or that your grandmother was a godly lady. Thank God that you had somebody in your life that was a godly person. Thank God for godly parents. Thank God for godly influences in your life. But I'm saying to you today that you need to understand that you're a sinner and there's nothing you can do to save yourself, but that Jesus did everything that was necessary on the cross of Calvary. In fact, in fact, he said it so well when he said, it is 
finished and he was buried and thank God on the third day on that Sunday morning, he rose again and thus he is able to save anybody that would come to him. But you must come to him on his terms. It is not you coming to him saying, well, Jesus, I'll try to do better or Jesus, I'll, I'll join this church or I'll be baptized. Listen, those are all good things. It's just not the things that you need to do to be saved. The only thing you can do, friend, the only thing you can do to be saved is to repent. Place faith in Jesus Christ and his finished work. And that results in the new birth. Amen. It may be that the Lord is convicting someone here today that is yet without Christ. And I, I want to tell you today that you're in a precarious situation. You're in a dangerous situation. You're under the wrath of God, under the condemnation of God, under, the, under, under his judgment. But it doesn't have to say that way if you likewise will repent and turn to him. You've got to be saved. Jesus here, though, is instructing these saved individuals that were, were following, leaving everything to follow him. And he began to, to teach them what they would need to make it in the ministry. To make it not just in the ministry, but make it in the Christian life. What did he teach them? Did he begin a class on how to preach? No. He, he didn't even start to cover a class on prayer. He, did, he, did he cover uh, church finance? No. What, what did he begin to cover? Here's what he began to cover. Your spiritual life. Amen. Your character. Because you could be highly skilled in preaching, singing, teaching, serving. You could be the best bus worker in terms of bringing in all kinds of kids and yet have a secret life of sin that is working against you. Character. Character must grow down. It, the Lord, we, as we started this series here in, the, in, in, uh, in Matthew, we began with a discussion about character because that's what he's talking about. Hey, listen, American churches, independent fundamental Baptist churches have been hurt and other churches as well have been hurt by, by preachers that seemed to be one thing on the outside and yet they were something different behind closed doors. I want to exhort every person that's come here for Heartland Baptist Bible College, Southwest Baptist Church. Listen, don't you put on a facade on the outside and go through all the motions. Church, would you grant me here some liberty today? I don't do this very often, but, but here on this special Welcome Heartland Sunday, we're going to do a little bit of preaching towards the students because they need it. And just to help things get started right. But there's a danger here that you, you may know exactly how to dress. You may know all, you may know music theory and you may know preaching theory and you may know a lot of things about how to do ministry and you may be very successful in the eyes of the world. But I'm telling you, friend, listen, if you don't have the character, if, if, you, don't, if you don't have a resistance toward, towards immorality and, and, and towards, towards uh, deceitfulness and dishonesty, I'm telling you, it's just a matter of time until your house of cards falls. Several years ago, we went to Chicago and we were able to go to uh, what was known as the, the Sears Tower, uh, but now it's known as the Willis Tower. And so we went up to the top and then at the top, you can go out. I don't, I don't remember what floor it is, but you can go out on that glass, uh, that, that uh, whatever. <laughs> Anyways, you can go out on that and you're over traffic and it, they're way down below you. And people pay good money. We pay good money to go all the way up there and see. I mean, it was beautiful. 
But I understood from uh, one of our, our student preachers, Brother Rob Kitchen, that, that actually there's 100 feet of concrete that go down, that goes down into the depths of the Windy City to anchor that building. Now, here's what I'm saying. People don't pay good money to go down to see 100 feet of concrete. Can you imagine if they had the elevator where it had a window to it? <laughs> and you're going down, ding, 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 going down, 100 feet of concrete. Yep, next floor of concrete, next. Man, this is intriguing. This is amazing. You get down to the bottom and you can walk out and walk around and all you're seeing is just gray and rebar. Are you, are you following me? No, you, you don't go there to see that. But what kind of building would it be without that? Hey, listen, uh, you, you, the character that God wants to instill in you, that, that he wants to get down deep in you. He, listen, you got to dig deep. He, he's got to dig deep to make you who you are. He's got to dig deep. You won't stand for long. If, you, if he doesn't dig deep, there's some things in you that's got to get out. For him to put in you the steel and the, and the concrete, so to speak, in your life that would help you to stand. And I'm saying that same thing to dads today and to moms today and to husbands today and to wives today and to newlyweds today. Listen, America and America rather is crumbling and toppling. Why? Because we're not digging deep in the word anymore. We don't want God to mess with our lives. We don't want him to show us where we're wrong. We don't want to let him dig stuff out of us that needs to come out. But I'm telling you, friend, unless he digs deep in you, it's just a matter of time till you fall. Jesus is saying to his disciples, I'm going to dig deep here and we're going to go deep. And, and he goes to some of, the, some of the depths. In fact, you might say it seems too simplistic, but isn't it amazing that some of those things that are so simple are yet so profound? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are they that, that, that are meek. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. And he goes through all those things and he's, and he's laying the, the groundwork and he's saying to them, listen, accept your righteousness. Exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. Then you can't be my disciples. And in their day and time, the, the scribes and the Pharisees, I mean, they would have been the religious elite and they would have thought if anybody is, if anybody's righteous, surely the Pharisees are. And Jesus saying they are superficial. They are hypocritical. They are sky risers, but they go down about a foot. And he's saying, if you're going to be my disciples, then you've got to be real. You've got to be sincere. And if you're going to be my disciples, he goes on about not worrying about all that you're going to put on and about your food and your clothing. Don't worry about all those things. Consider the lilies of the field. Consider the flowers. Consider the birds of the air and how that God supplies for all of them. He might use McDonald's at I-40 and MacArthur to do so. Saw a bunch of birds on the way in. Can you imagine? I mean, just think about it. Our God supplies for all the birds. He's saying to them, listen, don't worry in your life. Don't be anxious in your life. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. And then he says, judge not that you be not judged. And he's not saying there, don't tell anybody that they're not wrong. That's not at all what he's saying. Listen, we're living in a day and time when people in America are saying, listen, don't bother me and I won't bother you. I'll just live however I want to. But the Lord doesn't let people live that way. And a good doctor wouldn't let somebody live that way. If somebody's dying of cancer, they wouldn't say, listen, here, just take this band-aid and you'll be better. No, listen, they need to know what's going on. 
And the Lord is saying, listen, you will tend to be more harsh on others than you are on yourself. And you'll tend to have this big beam in your eye. We had a two by four last week, kind of swinging that thing around. You may be, you may have a big old beam in your eye, a log in your eye, a, a, a support beam in your eye. And you're concerned about a little bit of speck in somebody else's life. In other words, he's saying this, you're going to be inclined to see other people's sin and not your own. But if you get that beam out, then you can help somebody with that speck that's in their eye. Ask. And it shall be given you. What? You say, <laughs> wait a minute. It felt like the car just stopped suddenly. You get what I'm saying? It's like, wait a minute, why did he say ask? Well, think about the context of this. How in the world are you supposed to live for him and not for yourself? How in the world are you supposed to let him dig deep in you, not get offended? How in the world are you supposed to keep going with all this? I'm talking about the Christian life. I'm talking about some of you have been coming here to church now this summer. It's wonderful. You have many people that have just started coming and some that have recently been saved. But, but now maybe reality's setting in and, and you realize, hey, this Christian life thing, it's not easy. It's not. It's not for casual Christianity. I'm saying that what Jesus said is not for today's contemporary Christian that's waving the banner, come as you are, which really means just stay like you are. And Jesus doesn't care. Hey, no, he does care. He does care. He don't want you to live on that extreme, but does he want you to be a Pharisee about it? So how, how do you have a real meaningful spiritual life with God and yet not be a Pharisee about it and yet not be a carnal Christian? I'll tell you how you do it. You ask. You ask, and he will give you what you need to be his disciple. He'll give you what you need to be his disciple. Ask, what do you need? What, what do you need to be his disciple? Well, really, when you, when you think about it, there's a lot you need. Because humanly speaking, humanly speaking, you won't make it. Good morning and welcome to Southwest Baptist Church and welcome Heartland Sunday. We're sure glad you're here. You're not going to make it. <laughs> glad to have all the guests here from the metro area and, and uh, glad that you chose to be in church today. You're not going to make it. Does this make sense? Hey, I'm glad you just got married. Man, that's wonderful. I, I, did the wedding go well? She said, yes. Oh, that's great. She said, I do. Oh, great. Everything went wonderful. That's great. You're not going to make it. <laughs> oh, you just dropped your new kid off at the, at the nursery <laughs> as opposed to your old kid? No, you're, you just <laughs> dropped your baby off at the nursery. Oh, that's wonderful. Little boy. Oh, that's great. You're not going to make it. They're tough. You got a girl even worse. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh, I'm not going to make it. <laughs> no, you got a little boy. You got a little girl. You got twins. Doubly not going to make it. You're going to raise them in this society and where there's TikTok and Instagram and Snapchat and all these things that's coming against them and uh, the vile, wicked music and that's going on around there and all the wickedness that's, that's in social media and all the wickedness that's in the world and all the sitcoms that are against their spiritual well-being and all the movies that are just kind of bombarding their mind about morality or the lack thereof. And then they're being taught, you know, a critical race theory and they're also being taught, you know, that, trans, that transgenderism is to be celebrated and it's okay, you can be whatever you want to be 
and, and you can date whatever you want to date, be, be with whoever you want to be with. And if you don't like this person and you're married, you can get, get rid of them and get another one. And, and then you don't even have to be married. You can just do whatever you want to. This is this society. We're supposed to raise kids to love God and serve him in this society. You say, I don't think I'm going to make it. No, you won't. Well, this is real encouraging. You won't make it without him. That's what I mean. That's what he means. You won't make it. You'll, 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 you'll drop out of school. You'll drop out of church. You'll drop out of marriage. You'll, you'll give up on raising kids. You'll, you'll give up. And, but all the while, all the while, the resources are just right there. I mean, they're just right there. There's no shortage in heaven. It's not like God has said, wait a minute, we've, got, we've had a shutdown here. We're over budget. <laughs> We're, we don't have enough here, so please don't ask anymore. Please stop seeking me. Please stop knocking at my door forevermore. Would you please just leave me alone because I can't help you? No. Ask. There's some of you that are here. I mean, you're first year, you're 18 years old. Some of you are 17 years old. 17 years old, 18 years old, on your own for the first time. And, and you, you're supposed to go to class and, and, you're, and, and you're supposed to do your homework and you're supposed to have a job working 20 to 30, some of you maybe even 40 hours. There are men that are married here. You've moved your family here from, from all over the place and, and now you're supposed to work a 40-hour job and, and make it in school and, and still have time with your wife and still have time with your kids. And, and yet, Professor so-and-so is just... Expecting all of this of me, and I got to go door knocking, and I got to do ministries. And you're thinking, I'm not going to make it. What do I do? It may seem really simplistic, but here's what do. Ask. Ask. You're a pastor here. You're a missionary here. You're a full-time Christian worker here. And it's overwhelming at times. Am I right, gentlemen and ladies and, and family? It's overwhelming at times. It's a joyful, overwhelming sense. And you, you think, I'm not going to make it. Sunday's coming. It's not, I'm not going to make it. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm going to stand up there and not have one thing to say. That's a, fair, that's a frightening thing. I mean, preachers wake up in the middle of the night and, and have all kinds of weird dreams like that. Am I telling the truth? Yep. And, and you're thinking, oh, my soul, God, these are your people. These are your people and they need to hear from you. And I have done my due diligence. Now, if you're out there on the golf course, messing around or fishing all the time and you're not in the study, then why would God want to help you? But if you're doing your due diligence to say, dear God, I, I'm trying to give myself to this, but it's kind of like the feeling that you have when you're strapped into a roller coaster and it's going click, 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 click. And you're thinking, okay, Sunday's coming. I can't do a thing about it. Woo Enjoy the ride, man. It's got, it makes your stomach kind of feel funny every now and then, but it's awesome. I absolutely love it. But it can be terrifying. You can think, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. I can't make it. I can't handle this. I can't do this. And I think God allows us to feel that sense. And that's probably what they were sensing right here at this point in the sermon. And he's saying to them, listen, there's a solution here. Just go to the one who has everything that you need and just ask. And if you can't figure out if you need that or not, then seek. Seek. You don't even know. Listen, we are so wicked. We are so ignorant. I'm not trying to be insulting today. I'm just trying to tell the truth that we don't even really know exactly what we need. 
And that's why we've got to seek him. And that's when the door gets slammed in our face, so to speak, that we really just need to knock. And there's all kinds of factors that can be going on as to why prayer is not being answered. It may not be God's will. It may be spiritual wickedness in high places, just like in the book of Daniel. And it could just be we live in a fallen world. There's a lot of reasons, but it may be this. That wouldn't be good for you as his disciple. He wouldn't be good for you. She wouldn't be good for you. That job wouldn't be good for you. It would be adversarial to your spiritual life. So here's what you need to do. Ask God, God, what job, what church, what person, what friend, what, what ministry would be good for my spiritual life? And I want that. I seek that. I knock for that. And God will give you what you need to be his disciple. I'm telling you, he will. He'll give you what you need to be his disciple. The bigger question is not can God do that, but do you want to be his disciple? He'll give you what you need. I mean, he's good. Truly good. Truly good. He's not going to leave you hanging. He's not, he's not going to, I mean, well, what, what if I go hungry? Uh, you won't. Right? I mean, even if you do, you can still trust him. He's still good. He's good. And another thing I'll tell you about him on the word He's wise. He's good and he's wise. He knows what we need. If a son asks ask for bread, dad, father, mother, I like some bread. Okay. So Brother Randy asks for bread here. Son, I want to give you bread. There you go. Just chew on that a while. <laughs> Randy's dad there gives him a stone. I mean, really, let me see it again if you don't mind. It looks like it. Bread, loaf, right? Like at, I don't know, Johnny Carino's or somewhere. <laughs> Banging on the table. <laughs> you know, Johnny's, it's okay. But here, I mean, this is, this is a rock. And he would be chewing on that a while. That would be cruel. <laughs> I mean, really, you know, you think about it. That would be cruel if he asked for bread and I gave him a stone or his dad gave him a stone instead of a nice croissant like we're about to have. I mean, you can see they're different colors, but they're about the same size. What's the difference? Nutritional value? <laughs> no, a father wouldn't do that because he's good and because he's wise. He knows what would not help his son or daughter this would not help. This would hurt. Well, this would do no good. Okay, what if he asked for a fish? I've got none. <laughs> I'm sure some of you are, what's he going to bring out next? A snake? <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> no, he wouldn't. He wouldn't give him a, if he asked for a fish, you know, and, and from what I studied, some of the fish, like, um, I forget the name of them, but they kind of had a snake-like feature. I mean, you can, you can understand that. And they're, they're similar enough, so why don't we just give you a snake? No, he wouldn't do that because that would harm the child. Yeah. I'm telling you, based on what Jesus is saying there, he's saying, if you being evil, I mean, you, you've got, you, you're evil. You need saved. You need to be born again. But you being evil, even as a, even, even a person that's not saved wouldn't do that. Even a person that's evil wouldn't do that. And so he's saying, how much more will your, how about this wonderful privilege to call him father? Please don't just scoot over that in a hurry. Know that we get to call the one who created everything. We get to call him father. 
He's good and he's wise and he's rich and he's able. He'll give you what you need right when you need it. You say, well, I asked, seek, sought, and knocked, but it didn't happen. Well, don't write God off. And maybe you didn't need that. Maybe that wasn't his will. We pray about all kinds of things. Lord, help OU beat Texas. Lord, help. <laughs> Somebody just woke up over and said, amen. Uh, Lord, you know, give me this car. God, help me pass this test. You know, you know how my prayer life really started in the batter circle as I was in peewee baseball. Lord, please don't let me strike out. Please don't let me strike out. You know, I mean, it was about the, the depth of it. I mean, we pray about all kinds of things that aren't really fit in this text. The text is discipleship. And he'll give you anything you need that helps and fits the role of discipleship. You say, well, I mean... I don't, I'm not convinced that like prayer is really that important because there's people that they don't even pray, preacher, and they've got all kinds of money. And it's a farmer and his crops come in just like somebody that prays. Doesn't really matter. Doesn't matter to pray. We worked it. We did it. If we didn't have it, we wouldn't, hadn't worked, we wouldn't have it. Why should we thank God for it? That's the attitude. But here's what Jesus has already said. Those things are common in creation. These are gifts that he gives all people. Gifts of his creation. But if you need forgiveness, or you need to be forgiving, or if you need his help in spiritual growth, and all these other things that he's mentioned in the context, those aren't common and you must ask, but he'll give plentifully. He has what you need to be his disciple. Amen. Amen. Can I say a word to the parents that are here today? You're dropping off your young person. Um, you'd, do, you'd do nearly anything for them. That's how we are as parents. You do nearly anything for them. But you're going to be hundreds of miles away. But I, I want to encourage you today. He has what they need to be his disciple. And I know you know that. But I think as Frail human beings sometimes as parents, we need to know, be reminded of that. God, you have what my son or daughter needs to be your disciple. I'm asking you to supply. I'm seeking you to do it. I'm knocking, God. There's not much that I can do. Some of you may have a son or daughter that's away from the Lord. Here's what you ought to do. Ask, seek, and knock. Because God can answer and find them. He knows where they are. And reach them when you can't. It has to do with discipleship. I believe He can answer that. You're here as a student. I mean, it's been a good start already. I thank God for that. 
But what are you going to do when it gets hard? Ask, seek, knock. Because those that ask, fine. Receive. Those that seek, fine. Those that knock, it's opened. He has what you need to be His disciple. You're a new believer here today. You feel so overwhelmed. You, you would have a hard time finding a certain book of the Bible, especially among the minor prophets. Don't feel bad. So do we as preachers. <laughs> I feel so overwhelmed. There's so much that I need to know. Where do I even start? Tell God about it. God, I'm overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. He'll answer. He'll answer. And finally today, if you're here without salvation... There's only one way to be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It is His will to save any who would come to Him by faith. It is His will to save you. The man in the temple that prayed the Pharisee was so self-righteous he didn't think he needed God. But this man that was a sinner, a tax collector that had cheated people out of their money. He knew he was a sinner. And here's what he prayed. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said, that man went home justified. Right with God. He asked and he received. It even begins right there. Let's stand together here this morning. He has what you need to be, sal to be saved. He has what you need to be his disciple. He has what you need. I'm going to ask with every head bowed and eyes closed, how many today could raise their hand and say, I know that there was a day I received him as my personal savior and I'm glad I did. Would you raise your hand to that? If that's you, yes, I trusted him as my savior. Thank you. May put your hands down. That right there was a testimony that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It sure was. Is there anyone here today that would raise your hand and say, Preacher, I couldn't raise my hand right there because I've never received Him as my Savior? Would you just raise your hand if that's you? I don't know today. I don't have the assurance if I died that I'd go to heaven. I can't say I'm 100% sure. The Bible says that you can be that sure about it. Anybody like that today? If I die today, I don't know that for sure, but I am concerned about it. Anybody like that? Would you just raise your hand? Believers, He has what you need to be His disciple. I don't know if you're overwhelmed in life. I don't know if you're beginning to grasp all that He has and expects of you as His disciple, but He does. And He's not going to lower the bar to accommodate modern Christianity. But He'll give you grace to be Christ-like. And how many today would say, pray for me, would you, that I might be his disciple. I need his help to do so. Would you raise your hand if that's you? God spoke to your heart today. Yes, indeed. God bless you. I appreciate that. I want to invite you to come. We're going to have our time of invitation, <clears throat> which simply means this. We invite you to come to these, these altars. This altar where you come and you ask and you seek and you knock. Invite you to come, sir. Some are praying right there where they are. That's, that's wonderful as well, but we'd love that opportunity. If you'd like to come and pray, if you want to pray with somebody, there's men and there's ladies here who have a Bible, and we could pray with you as well and spend some time. 
So, Father, I pray you'd bless this invitation. Thank you for inviting us to your throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Lord, you're a very present help in a time of trouble. I'm grateful for that. Thank you that in the Christian life we can come to you asking and you give what we need to be your disciple. In Jesus' name, amen. Page 241, the choir is going to lead us. Jesus paid it all. Would you step out and join these that have come to pray and talk to the Lord as we sing?